You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda, and I am back today. Um, I told you all that I was working on some information regarding slavery and putting the dots together, connecting the dots rather, together on what actually happened in slavery as far as which racial group and population was involved in slavery. Uh, who were the enslavers? Who were the slaves? So yesterday I uh, did a podcast regarding the Royal African Company of England, and we went through pretty much detail on how that company was set up and what was actually going on within the company, which it was more, much, much more than trading African slaves. Uh, we discovered that, as a matter of fact, that uh, African slavery had become very, very expensive. So that was not the moneymaker in that company, that actually the entire trading of the company was other commodities, such as mining, uh, so gold, uh, such as uh, redwood, and there was one more thing, and I can't think of it right now. Oh, land. Of course, land. How can I forget land? How can I forget land? Okay, and we also discovered that it was an import-export business. So again, the Royal African Company of England was controlled by the Black European monarchs of Europe, and specifically, the uh, Stuart bloodline started that company, and uh, they were trading different things to Africa. So they had agreements off the coast of West Africa, and they gave the specific boundaries of where they were conducting business and import-export business. They had an agreement to import goods from England, as well as to export goods. And African slaves were just one of the products or goods that were being exported to Europe. And it was the least profitable out of all of the products. So today we are going to get into the slavery of Jamaica. So we're going to get into the Black Irish of Jamaica and slavery. So now I'm going to tell you something. Get ready. Um, I know some of you, the source of material that I will use, the main source of material that I will use for this particular podcast, a lot of you are familiar with this book that comes across this information this book is now, um, I'll, I'll have to try to search for it otherwise, but not sure if it's on back order, but I could not buy the book. I had to resort uh, to other sources to get the book. Uh, so nonetheless, I can understand why 
Now, when I've seen people present information out of this book, I've only seen it presented from the standpoint of there being a black population in um, Jamaica that were of Ireland descent. But the book literally has given a clear picture of everyone that was in Jamaica upon the time of colonization and what their roles were. Okay, so let's get into this material. Let me uh, use a little technology here. Okay. Okay, so some of you will be familiar with this book. I know if you're familiar with this information, you've seen this book before. I highly encourage you to get this book. Um, like I said, right now, I'm trying to get my hands on a hard copy for my collection. Very, very well done. A thorough job. Um, this is Wentz, the Black Irish of Jamaica by Joseph J. Williams, S.J. Okay. I highly, highly encourage you to add this book to your collection. Okay. So let's get into the nitty gritty uh, of things. And as you can see, the author chose to put a picture here, typical of the Black Irish in Jamaica. So all of my Jamaican men and women, get ready, baby. This should really sound familiar to some of you as we're going, naming some of the places or whatever. And hopefully you can also connect the dots if you grew up in Jamaica or you have Jamaican ancestry. Okay, so here we go. Okay, and as you can see, he put this out in 1932. All right, so we're going to read through the, this book is so great. I'm telling you from the introduction to the end of the page. Excellent, excellent information. And as you can see, I have like 122 comments <laughs> that I put throughout here. So let's go through the introduction. Visitors to Jamaica in the British West Indies frequently remark a seemingly anomaly. In even the remotest section of the bush and among the darkest of the Negroes who clearly trace their ancestry back to the earliest slaves from Africa, they will find distinctly Irish names. So common. Oh, shoot. Saying that I needed to be signed in. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully, let me see if all of my bookmarks are here. If not, I'll have to sign in. I'll have to stop this and sign in. Nope, it saved my bookmark, so I'm not going to, I'll let it be. Okay. Oh, Adobe gets on my last exposed nerve. But anyhow, sorry about that distraction. Um, so even in the remotest sections of the bush and among the darkest of the Negroes who clearly trace their ancestry back to the earliest slave from Africa, they will find distinctively Irish names so common that it is an unguarded moment. They are apt to give flight to the imagination and claim that they have actually encountered a touch of the brogue. 
a few years ago in one school in Kingston might be found Burke. Okay, so getting into these surnames, Burke, Collins, McKee, McDermott, McKeenan, and just to put some light, shed some light on this, uh, McKee, I think the, the last name Mac is a derivative of McKee and maybe even McKay. Okay, but anyhow, McKay, McKee, McDermott, McKeon, and Walsh. And with one exception, the last name, who was a dusky brown, they were, to all appearances, full-blooded Negroes. In a single classroom of another school, there were Collins, Kennedy, McCormick, and O'Hara. And here again, in only one case did the features or the complexions indicate any influ infusion of Caucasian blood. Although this one was, although this one too was as black as the rest. Perhaps one of the names most frequently met with throughout the islands is that of Burke. In some few instances, it is true, the name itself may be a corruption of the Haitian refugees, de Borg, who came to Jamaica in the 18th century at the time of the Haitian uprising. Okay, and we did a little drop on Haiti, um, kind of what was going on with that particular colonization. Uh, I'll put a link in this podcast to uh, the Haitian drop. The usual explanation given for the presence of the Irish names is, of course, that the slaves of former days were generally called by their family name of the master. Okay, so those of us in the U.S., the main island, we know that story all too well, right? The European surnames that melanated, a.k.a. black folks carry, are the white slave masters. Uh-huh. Okay. But yet those of us that do our genealogy, we're not finding any slave records for our ancestry. And in some cases, we are finding... European, Black European ancestry? Hmm. But in the case of Burke, at least, we did not find a single planter of that name among the early records of Jamaica. Certainly the survey of the year 1670 shows that at the time, not one acre of land was owned by anyone named Burke. Okay, so in other words... If these melanated slash black Jamaicans with the last name Burke was taking on the surname of the white slave masters, how come they can't find any planters with that last name? And the same may be said in the case of the most the case of most of the other Irish names we encounter today among the Negroes of the island. The purpose, then, of the present writer is to find a solution to the riddle. 
whence the black Irish of Jamaica? And the answer, briefly summarized, lends itself to a threefold division from Ireland through Barbados to Jamaica. Okay, so am I missing anything? Okay. All right, that was weird. Okay, so let's get to it, family. Sorry about that. It kind of repeated itself there. So we're going to uh, get into this material. So as you can see, like I said, out the door, this particular author, uh, just in the introduction, <laughs> put a uh, lot of great information in the introduction. And uh, I am that's why I'm highly, highly encouraging you to um, invest in this book. It is well worth it, okay? And I'm hoping that it is not out of print. All right, so Mary Gaunt, writing about Jamaica in 1922 in her chapter on the white bondsman, states, to this boiling pot, Cromwell sent 1,000 Irish men and 1,000 Irish women. I can find nothing but the bare notification that they arrived and it hardly seemed to me those 2,000 Irish can have help matters much whether they were poor convict, convicts or political prisoners. Okay, so uh, this is going to be important as we get into the material because you're going to, we're going to get into back and forth correspondence between Cromwell and uh, folks in Jamaica and folks in Ireland about transporting these uh, 1,000 Irish men and Irish women. But before we do that, just real quick, I want to show you all, let me blow this up. These are pictures of Cromwell fam. Yeah. Doesn't history... Show Cromwell as a Caucasian man. Well, this is Cromwell, Lord Governor of Ireland, melanated man. Okay, so I'm just gonna try to. Uh, so this is another picture. I guess he was older. He looks a little bit more Caucasian on this one than that first one. Okay, and just another picture of Cromwell. Okay, melanated man. I think that's it of him, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So just wanted to bring that to the family's attention. So Cromwell was a melanated man. Contrary to what they show you in history, which we are finding now that most of the leaders and the participants and um, the colonization process from who was administering or managing the estates from the uh, merchants, the early ones out the gate were melanated. They reported to or worked for a melanated black nobility. So the entire Royal European Court 
was melanated. Okay. All right. The island, when he recorded that the Council of State in England voted that 1,000 girls and as many young men should be lifted in Ireland and sent over to assist people in the colonies. Okay, so let me make sure. All right, just making sure I can get to my notes. All right, so that's weird. Okay, so let me just back up. Uh, let me just back up to make sure. All right, I'll just back up a little bit to, to give it in um, content. In 1756, Dr. Brown was most empathetic in his statement, Cromwell, having had an earlier intelligence of the conquest, Jamaica resolved to miss no opportunity of supporting this new acquisition, which now indeed served him as another Siberia. And Edward Long, the historian who was Speaker of the Jamaica House of Assembly in 1768, when writing a few years later, only expressed the commonly accepted opinion in the island when he recorded that the Council of the State of e in England voted that 1,000 girls and as many as young men should be lifted in Ireland and sent over to assist people in the colony. On May 11, 1655, Jamaica formally capulated to the representatives of Cromwell, the Lord uh, Protector of England, and as early as the following July 18th, we find a document signed by the field officers of the army in Jamaica titled, Several Considerations to be Humbly Represented, represented to his highness, the Lord Protector and Council concerning the army in America, wherein after bespeaking necessary equipped and equipment and supplies, the request is made that servants from Scotland or elsewhere may be sent to assist in planning, etc., for which the officers out of their pay will make such allowance as his highness shall think fit and assign them such proportions of land as his highness shall direct at the expiration of the rep, uh, respective terms, okay? So the important thing out of this is to note that they are writing to Cromwell to get permission to get servants from where? Not Africa. Scotland. Well, it says Scotland or elsewhere. Okay. But Africa surely was not the leading place in that request. Okay. There is... In the library at Boston College, Newton, Massachusetts, an undated manuscript, presumably in handwriting of Oliver Cromwell, entitled Certain Queries Concerning His Highness' Interest in the West Indies. The last two paragraphs read as follows. Whether His Highness 
interest in the West Indies can be carried on without the settling of some course for the constant supplying them with people. Whether the weeding the commonwealths of vagabonds, condemned persons, and such as are useless and hurtful in the war and peace, and a settled course taken for the transporting them to the Indies and thereby principally supplying Jamaica is not necessary to be consulted. So in other words, go on and do what you got to do. You don't have to ask me to ship or transport from Scotland and Ireland vagabonds and condemned persons to go to the Indies and supply Jamaica labor. Go ahead on and make it happen. Okay? Sir, I received yours um, of the fourth instance and give you many thanks for your relations of Jamaica. And though we have met with some more than ordinary cross-province, in this undertaking, yet I doubt not, but the Lord will smile upon it in the issue. I have endeavored to make what improvements I could in the short time allotted me, uh, touching the furnishing you with a recruit of men and a supply of young Irish girls. So this is the person responding back uh, to Cromwell. And order to it i have advised with the chief officers near me not having opportunities to make it more public neither do i think it convenient until i know your resolutions more particularly concerning the young women although we must use force in taking them up So just to be clear, he's saying, okay, you know, thank you for that response. I appreciate it. I'm going to make it happen. But before I go public with this request, I'm just making sure, okay, until I know your resolution. So in other words, until I make sure, more particularly concerning the young women Although we must use force in taking them up, yet it being so much for their own good. Oh, okay. Now, this is me saying that. Okay, I don't know how snatching somebody off the street or however they about to do it is for my own good. Kidnapping me to another land is for my own good. I guess because you figured I'm in a bad situation, you classify me as vagabond. That is for my own good. But anyway, and likely to be so great advantage to the public. It is not the least doubted that you may have such number of them as you shall think fit to make use upon this account. So meaning, yeah, we got plenty of vagabonds uh, walking around these streets. So let me see what my note was. 
Yeah, I just put taking young women by force. Okay? A week later, we have the following from the same source. I have little to add to what I write in my last. I shall not need to repeat anything about the girls, not doubting, but to answer your expectations to the full in that. And I think it might be of like advantage to your affairs, theirs, and our, ours here, ours, I think that's, I don't know, are here, if you should think fit to send 1,500 or 2,000 young boys of 12 or 14 years of age to the place aforementioned, we could well spare them and they would be of use to you and who knows, but it may be a means to make the English men, I mean rather Christians. Okay. And so if you, uh, is that the footnote to this? If you go down to the footnote, it says, uh, gives you the source, of course, which is in Ireland under English rule by Dr. Thomas Adis Emmett. It says over 100,000 young children who were orphans, who were orphans or had been taken from their Catholic parents, were sent abroad into slavery in the West Indies, Virginia, and New England. That they might thus lose their faith in all knowledge of their nationality, for in most instances, even their names were changed. Now, which more sounds like a slavery narrative? Seems like to me that the African slavery narrative has been swapped out. Because once again, you have... In the Caribbean, this particular island is Jamaica. The population of those workers slash servants slash slaves. The bulk of them appear to have been black Europeans. In this case, specifically the black Irish. Okay. So today we have melanated black people in Jamaica thinking that they came from Africa. And they hold the surnames of an African slave master. I'm sorry, a, a Caucasian white slave master. But let's continue. Okay. All right. Da, 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 da. The committee of the council have voted 1,000 girls and as many youths to be taken up for that purpose and that there be a sum of money for each head allowed for clothing of them and other necessaries to the waterside. 
okay? Right? So let's just continue. All right, let me just make sure. Sorry, hopefully I'm not making y'all dizzy. Okay, so, and quoting further in order in council of October 3rd that the 1,000 boys and 1,000 girls shall be shipped at Galway in December, the aged fixed in both cases being under 14, positively asserted. In the end, not a single Irish boy or girl was dispatched across the Atlantic in consequence of this resolution. Okay, so bear with me because the author's going to clear up what happened. So that's what was added in a footnote. Not only can no such transportation be traced in the records, either in London or in Dublin, but there is a negative evidence of the absence of any mention of the arrival of so numerous a body by the writers of the uh, voluminous letters which chronicle the position of affairs in Jamaica. So careful are the uh, writers to tell everything that concerns the colony that it is incredible that they should have closed their eyes to such an importation if it had ever taken place. So in other words, somebody, this documentation that we had just read through with the conversation between Cromwell and then the other person and then the, the, the people that was putting together the voyage for the uh, the girls and the boys, the 1,000 girls and boys, so I guess that's 2,000 total, and the bringing it before the particular council to get it approved, somebody slapped a footnote saying, oh, but this never happened. We don't have a record of it. Oh, okay. In view of this flat denial... It behooves us to weigh carefully the evidence abduced, adduced from many sources. So in other words, the author like, you know what? Don't try to play with me, okay? You're trying to discredit this source. And I don't believe you. So now I'm going to go get other sources. James Anthony Fraud or Fraudy, who will never be accused of bias in favor of Catholic Ireland after speaking of the enlistment of the Irish soldiers in foreign service, remarked, the Catholic priests were more sharply dealt with. At first, such of them as did not move on their own accord were put on board vessels bound for Spain. This proving no deterrent, they were sent to the Barbados settlement. Finally, when the numbers arrested were too great to be so provided for, they were removed to two islands in the Atlantic, the Isle of Aaron and Ennis Bofin, where cabins were built for them. And they were allowed a cent sixpence a day for their maintenance. In the footnote, he adds, I cannot pass over this part of my narrative without making my acknowledgement to Mr. Pentagrass, to whose personal courtesy I am deeply indebted, and to whose impartially, impartiality and candor in his volume of Cromwellian settlement, I can offer no higher praise than by saying that the 
pursual, the pursual of it has left on my mind an impression precisely opposite to that of Mr. Pendergrass himself. He writes as an Irish patriarch. I am I as an Englishman, but the difference between us is not on the facts, but on the opinion to be formed about them. Okay. We cannot then better begin the study of our knotty problem than by taking up the evidence adduced by John P. Pendergrass, whose impartiality and candor is thus established beyond question. Mr. Pendergrass work the Cromwellian settlement in Ireland, appeared in London in 1865, and in appendix, what's that, 11, which is entitled, of the seizing, now check this out, of the seizing of widows and orphans and the destitute and transporting them to Barbados and the English plantations. Plural. So just real quick to point out a few things. The fact that folk will easily either hide records, change records, or manipulate records, okay? This is why when you're always doing your research, if your spidey senses get to tingling, that something ain't right, look for a second source. Or if you are in a current source and they reference a source, check their source, okay? Because I have found a lot of changing up by checking folks' source or going to different sources. So you're literally cross-referencing the sources. Okay, because the information is here, family. It's all here. We just have to do a little research to put it together. And we are literally putting these pieces back together. And it's all making sense now. Now we can validate the things that some of us have been saying over the years about who is whom. Okay. All right, so in this, this particular um, Mr. Pentecrass, and shout out to you, Mr. Pentecrass. Is that where Teddy Pentecrass get his name, his surname? You got, you got, you got what I need. I'm just saying. So anyway, Mr. Pentecrass work, the Cromwellian settlements in Ireland. He put that joint out in 1865, the title is of the seizing of the widows and orphans and destitute and transporting them to Barbados and the English plantations. We read, while the government were employed in clearing the ground for adventurers and soldiers, the English capitalists of that day, by making the nobility and gentry yield up their ancient inheritance, inheritances and the withdrawal to Connaught 
where they could wish the whole nation. They had agents actively employed through Ireland seizing women, orphans, and the destitute to be transported to Barbados and the English plantations in America. It was a measure beneficial to Ireland, which was thus relieved of a population that might trouble the planters. It was a benefit to pe the people removed who might thus be made English and Christian. Let's stop. This is a clear uh, observation by Pentagrass that they were purposely taking widows, orphans, and the destitute off the streets of Ireland to put them into plantations in the Americas and to make them English and Christian. And a great benefit to the West Indian sugar planters who desire the men, who desire the men, boys for their bondmen, and the women and Irish girls in a country where they had only maroon women and negress to solace them. Okay, so you look up the definition of maroon and, you know, those of us that are into this information, we done seen this maroon before. So as a noun and a verb, it's a dark purplish red to dark brownish red color. So I don't know too many people that look purple, but I know people that look red. I know people that look red that they call red bone. I know people that look red. I know people that look dark brownish red color. Okay. So that's the description of the maroon women and negress to solace them. The 13 year war from 1641 to 1654 followed by the departure of 40,000 Irish soldiers with the chief nobility and gentry to Spain, had left behind a vast mass of widows and deserted wives with destitute families. So now we should understand where the widows, where they came from. There were plenty of other persons too, who as their ancient properties had been confiscated, had no visible means of livelihood. Just as the king of Spain sent over his agents to treat with the government for the Irish swordsmen, the merchants of Bristol had agents treating it for men, women, and girls to be sent to the sugar plantations in the West Indies. So now again, I don't see them saying nothing about no Africa. Still not seeing it. Okay. 
It's telling you where this early population of the Indies, and in this case, Jamaica. And then they also, of course, talked about Barbados. Okay? But in this case, specifically, we're talking about Jamaica. The commissioner for Ireland gave them orders upon the governors of garrisons to deliver them to to deliver to them prisoners of war. So this is this is not my first time learning about prisoners of war being relabeled as quote quote slaves. So that's why those of us that research this information, we can confidently tell you the makeup of the population that they are identifying as slaves. So to deliver them prisoners of war upon the keeper of goals for offenders in custody, upon masters of workhouses, for the destitute in their care who were of an age to labor or if women were marriageable and not past breeding. Now, this sounds an awful like a lot like about the slavery, African slavery narrative that they're giving you about women being snatched up of childbearing age. Mm. Okay, so we're marriageable and not past breeding and gave direction to all in authority to seize those who had no visible means of livelihood and deliver them to the agents of the Bristol sugar merchants in execution of which later direction Ireland must have exhibited scenes in every part like the slave hunts of Africa. So they are even telling you that this is just like they do off the coast of Africa. Okay? And just like we talked about yesterday in the royal company, the, uh, the, um, the African royal company of England, how the African slaves became expensive. How many girls of gentle birth must have been caught and hurried to the private prisons of these men catchers, none can tell. But at the last, the evil became too shocking and notorious, particularly when these dealers in Irish flesh began to seize the daughters and children of the English themselves. And to force them on board their slave ships, then indeed the orders at the end of the four years were revoked. So do you all understand what they're saying here? They're saying that they were given the orders to take the Irish, okay, the prisoners of war, the destitute, the orphans, the widowed, forcing them onto the quote, quote, slave ships. This wasn't off the coast of Africa. 
This was on the shores of Europe. And then they start getting real bold with it. And they start snatching up the English. Remember, this was only supposed to be Irish. All right. In January 1654, the governors of Carlow, Kilkenny, Clonmel, Wexford, Ross, and Waterford had ordered to arrest and deliver to Captain Thomas Morgan, Dudley North, and John Johnson, English merchants, all wanderers, men and women, and such other Irish within their precincts as should not prove they had such a settled course of industry as yielded them a means of their own to maintain them. All such children as were in hospitals or workhouses are prisoners, men and women, to be transported to the West Indies. So in other words, honey, if you didn't have no job, if you weren't stable financially, or if you were just what they consider riffraff, you was out of there. The governors were to guard the uh, the prisoners to the ports of shipping, but the prisoners were to, to, were to be provided for and maintained by the said contractors and none to be discharged except by the order under the hand and seal of the governor ordering such arrest. It is easy to imagine the deeds done under such power. On the 22nd of December of the same year, orders were issued prohibiting all the shipping in any harbors in Ireland bound for the Barbados and other English plantations from weighing anchor until search in order that any persons found to have been seized without warrant should be delivered. All measures, however, were in va- were vain to prevent the most cruel capture as long as these English slave dealers had recourse to Ireland. In the course of four years, they had seized and shipped about 6,400 Irish men and women, boys and maiden, when on the 4th of March, 1655, all uh, all orders were revoked. Okay, so basically they had to revoke them because they tried to put in some um, checks and balances to stop folks from snatching English people up off the street, but they were still having problems with it. Okay, so they stopped that particular order, right? But we're going to continue. Yet, not quite an end. In 1655, Admiral Penn added Jamaica to the Empire of England, and colonists being wanted. The Lord Protector applied to the Lord Henry Cromwell, then Major General of the Forces in Ireland, to engage 1,500 of the soldiers of the army in Ireland to go thither as planters and to secure a 1,000 young Irish girl, Irish wenches, and Secretary Thurlow's term to be sent there also. Okay, And, you know, it's really a shame and it's really sickening and sad of melanated people running around calling people bed wenches. Because you, number one, 
You're reckless and careless. You should know that the term meant people being, specifically women, being forced to be with people against their own will, but yet you willingly today throw it around as women who want to mate with white men or have a Caucasian white partner. How ignorant and sickening of you to reuse a term that had so much pain behind it. And I hear that ignorant crap quite often and it just sends a cringe to me because I understand what the original intent behind that word meant and the fact that someone melanated would use it against a melanated woman just makes my stomach turn. But let's continue. Henry Cromwell answered that there would be no difficulty only that force must be used in taking them. And he suggests that the addition of from 1,500 to 2,000 boys uh, from 12 to 14 years of age, we could well spare them, he adds, and they might be of use to you, and who knows, but it might be a means to make them Englishmen, I mean Christians. The numbers finally fixed were 1,000 boys and 1,000 girls to sail from Galway in October 1655. The boys as bondsmen, probably, and the girls to be bound by other ties to these English soldiers in Jamaica. So again, the term bed wench for you degenerates is used for women taking in a servitude role against their will and paired up with a man against their will. You degenerate. A specific instance cited by Pendergrass is the following. Daniel Connery, a gentleman of Clare, was sentenced in Morrison presence to banishment in 1657 by Colonel Henry Ignalsby for harboring a priest. Okay. And so just one last thing on this um uh wench term for you degenerates, you ignorant degenerate. Because the seat of power was held by black men. So even using the term bed wench in relations to a black woman and a white man is inaccurate. It would be a black woman being forced to bed a black man. You ignorant degenerate! All right, let's continue. 
So, uh, so he was getting in trouble for harboring a priest. This gentleman has a wife and 12 children. His wife fell sick and he di and died in poverty. Three of his daughters, most beautiful girls, were transported to the West Indies to an island called the Barbados. And there, if they are alive, they are in miserable slavery. As regards priests in particular, Pendergrass records, in consequence of the a great increase of priests towards the close of the year 1655, a general arrest by the justices of the peace was ordered under which in April 1655, the prisons in every part of Ireland seemed to have filled to overflowing. Okay, so let me see what note I put here for myself. Oh, okay. On the 3rd of May, the governors of the respective precincts were ordered to send them with sufficient guards to Carrickfergus to be there put on board such ships as sail with the first opportunity for Barbados. Okay, so I just made a note to myself that here you have clearly documented how Christianity got to the islands of the Caribbeans. In this case, Jamaica, and also they mentioned Barbados. So it did not come in the form of white missionaries. In these cases, it came with the exporting of the black Europeans who already had religion, Christianity religion, to the Caribbeans, right? At Carrick Fergus, Colonel Cooper, who was in charge of the prison, was authorized to dispense with transportation in the case of those who would renounce the Pope's supremacy and frequent the Protestant meetings and no other. Because remember, there was a huge battle between the Protestants and the Catholics. And, you know, they, they are writing history to say that it was a battle of religion. And yeah, that may have been the case for the common folk. But the real reason was really just a battle of the different family bloodline empires. So meaning the Catholic empire versus the Protestant empire. And the interesting thing about it, even within the same bloodline, they were split among the Catholic and the Protestant side. All right. Uh, because you have to remember they were doing a lot of intermarrying within these bloodlines. And then when the deal goes sour or somebody comes out of a bag on one another, you got family against family. 
but it's they're really lining up against empire against empire, which back in those times was really the empires were by what we're calling religion or the church. If further legal evidence were required, we have it among the acts of the second parliament of the protractorate under date of June 26, 1657, where we find an act of the attainder of the rebels in Ireland, wherein it is provided that those who fail to transport themselves into Connaught or Clare within six months of the publication of the act in Ireland shall be attained of high treason and after conviction are to be sent to into America or some other parts beyond the seas in pursuant of the said sentence of banishment, which the said Lord Deputy and Council or the Chief Governor of Governors for the time being are hereby authorized and required to put in execution accordingly. So in other words, um, other words, you uh, going to need to turn yourself on in, you Irish uh, men and women of Ireland. Y'all done lost. So go on and turn yourself in. Otherwise, we're going to charge you with high treason. And we're going to ship you to the Americas or somewhere else, wherever we feel to ship you. But the underlining reason for shipping people out, of course, number one was to get rid of them, but number two was to staff up their colonies slash plantations. Okay? Or if we convict you of treason, we can also put you behind the death. So in other words, you might as well go on and turn yourself in. Okay. Those thus banished who return into any part of the Commonwealth of England, Scotland, and Ireland without license under the great seal of England are to suffer the pains of death as felons by virtue of this act without the benefit of the clergy. So in other words, baby... The church ain't finna save you. So ain't no need you running to pass a, a bishop this, that, and a third or cardinal this, that, and a third. If you come sliding back up into Scotland, England, or Ireland after you've been vanished and you don't have your paperwork in order, and don't even try to counterfeit that because you got to have the official seal. We're going to put your butt to death. Okay. Samuel Rawson Gardner, who so emphatically denies the Cromwellian shipment of Irish girls to Jamaica. And speaking of the capture, capture of Drogheda, September 12, 1649, unreservably admits 
When the inevitable surrender came, Cromwell, instead of directing a promiscuous slaughter, ordered that the officers should be knocked on the head and every 10th man of the soldier shipped to Barbados. Whilst the whole garrison of the other tower was spared, although they too were sent to Barbados. So in other words, Samuel Rawson, Gardner, was trying to clean it up, was like, well, you know, we really didn't execute all them people, you know, people that turned themselves in, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, now some got roughed up. We beat them up over the head and we shipped them out. A further admission by the same author is worth recording. Prisoners and others sent to Barbados or elsewhere in America are frequently spoken of as having been sent into slavery. Okay. So just to recap, Gardner said, well, you know what, to be honest, we really didn't kill them when we captured them. But uh, I do have to admit, yeah, they got busted upside they, they head, they dome. And we shipped their behinds out. And those same prisoners and others, so meaning them widows and orphans and the destitute, we sent their behinds to Barbados or elsewhere in America. And yeah, they are frequently spoken of as having been sent into slavery. The petition of Marcellus Rivers and Oxenbridge Foyle after their return to England in 1659, they having been among the prisoners charged with participation in Penruddick's Rising and transported later into the year to Barbados show their condition. Even if allowances is made for exaggeration to have been deplorable enough. Being sadly arrived at Barbados, they say, the master of the ship sold your miserable petitioners and the others, the generality of them to most inhumane and barbarous persons for 1,500 pounds weight of sugar apiece as the goods and chattel of Martin Noel and Major Thomas Aldern of London and Captain Henry Hatzell of Plymouth. Neither sparing the age of threescore years old, nor divines, nor officers, nor gentlemen, nor any age or condition of men. It is, however, certain not the case that these men were condemned to a lifelong servitude. though they were not allowed for their time of service had expired to leave the island. The custom of all merchants trading th thither, writes F. Barrington, who visited Barbados in 1655, is to bring as many men and women as they can. Okay? So they're pretty much saying, you know... What they were sold for, who was captain on the ship, and all of that jazz. 
They weren't trying to care about the age or the condition of the men. Um, so it was saying that not everybody was condemned to a lifelong servitude. So again, slavery and servitude are being linked as one and the same thing. But even if you finished out your servitude contract, you still couldn't go back to Europe. Right? All right. So they're still saying, bring as many as you can. Men and women as they can. No sooner doth a ship come to an anchor, but presently the islanders go aboard her acquiring what servants they can buy. Now, don't this sound like the African slave trade that they tell you as they came onto the shores of the Americas, how they were selling the African slaves on the auction block? This sounds the exact same narrative, except these are Europeans. If they are above 17 years of age, they serve but four years, according to the law of the island. But if under 17, then left to the discretion of the merchant, he can agree with the planter. So do you all understand what they are saying? So if they grown, so they consider 17 grown back then. You can only give them four years of servitude. But if they are youngin', they under 17, then that's up to whoever's selling that particular indentured servant contract. Slash prisoner of war. Slash renamed as a slave. It's up to whoever was selling them and who was buying them, which was the planter. These servants planted, uh, planted. So the, what the servants did is they were planters. They weeded. They put manure in the ground all by hand. The free men are such who served in the country for their freedom or paid their passage when transported from England. So let's go over that again. The free men are such who served in the country for their freedom or paid their passage when transported from England. So let's recap so far. Who is hitting the shores of Jamaica? You have the Irish from Ireland who were captured as prisoners of war. So meaning women who were orphaned, not orphaned, widowed, 
young children who were orphaned or people in general from Ireland who were destitute and couldn't afford it or prisoners of war. And then you did have some that was just straight out kidnapped from England that shouldn't have been there. Snatched up off the street. They had to shut that down because they was getting out of control for four little years. They were snatching people up. Then you had the free men who paid their way to be over in the Americas. In this case, Barbados. While it theor theoretically true that the indentured labor or bondsmen in the West Indies might not be classed class as slavery. So let's just read that for the slow ones in the back. And how we are able to say with confidence slavery is not what they are teaching you in the mainstream media. And how I am with confidence able to say to the ADOS crowd, how can you talk about reparations when you don't even understand who was the slave, who was the slave master and what really went on? While it is theoretically true that the indentured labor or bondsmen in the West Indies might not be classified as class as slavery, we must not lose sight of what Legion records from his own observation in Barbados at the very period when the Irish exiles were being delivered there. The island is divided into three sorts of men, masters, servants, and slaves. Masters, servants, and slaves. ADOS. Masters, servants, and slaves. The slaves and their posterity being subject to their master forever are kept and preserved. Let me sip this water, baby. ADOS. This is why you will never, ever, 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 forever, ever, ever, ever get a claim on how you are presenting it because you don't know your history. The slaves and their prosperity being subject to their masters forever are kept and preserved with greater care than the servants who are theirs but for five years according to the laws of the islands. So that for the time the servants have the worser lives for they are put to very hard labor, ill lodging, and they die very slight. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So let me pause. I'll be right back. All right. We can start back up. Okay. So again, ADOS, 
You putting a claim in for reparations based on what? You don't know true history. You have to prove what your folk were. And even if you prove they were slaves, hmm, hmm, but let's continue. November 19, 1655, among the instructions for Sir C. Coote, president of Connaught or the governor of Galway, for the time being, the said governor to take care that the priests or fairers that are now imprisoned within the said town that are above the age of 40 years be forthwith banished into France, Portugal, or other neighboring kingdoms in amity with this commonwealth, and that the rest of the priests that are under the age of 40 years be herewith shipped away for Barbados or other American plantations, and likewise to give public notice that in any case, and uh, that in case any of the said priests and fairers shall at any time return to this nation without special license, that they shall be proceeded against according to the laws now in force. Right? Okay? So they didn't, they um, went to the priesthood as well. Getting folks up out of there. Okay? And they were even down to specifics in the age group. So they said, you know, if you're 40 and under, ship them out to the Americas. Anybody over 40, ship them to France and Portugal or other kingdoms. So in other words, we only want the young legs, the strong backs, and the women of childbearing age. And if you try to bring your behind back upon these lands without that license, you're gonna uh, you you're gonna get uh got with these laws we didn't put in place. It is the desire of the council that care may be taken in especially concerning. Let me make sure I'm still taping. Okay, just making sure, family. Just making sure. Yep. It is desire of the council that care may be taken in especially concerning those three priests that they may be so employed as they may not be at liberty to return again to this nation where that sort of people are able to do much mischief by having so great an influence over the popish Irish here and of alienating their affections from the present government. Okay. March 4th, 1657, we find the confessions of the abuses that had prevailed in this traffic in human beings in the, in the order. The council have received many complaints of the abuse of some orders for formerly granted to several persons to carry away idle and vagabond persons to the West Indies. 
who instead of pursuing the direction of the orders by having a warrant from some of the justices of the peace of the county where such persons were taken up, employ persons to wow, to delude and deceive poor people by false pretenses, either by getting them aboard the ships or in other by places into their power and forcing them away to persons so employed, having so much a peace for all they so delude and for the money's sake have enticed and forced women and children and husband and children from their parents and force women from their children, rather, and husbands and children from their parents who maintain them at school and that they had not only dealt so with the Irish, but also the English, do think fit an order that all orders granted to any person whatsoever being now enforced to take up. Okay, so pretty much they had a lot of people trying to go around the system uh, snatching people up that they weren't supposed to uh, be snatching up. So uh, just kind of going over that again, what we talked about before. So just giving another source, telling you all that that's what was going on. Okay, this part of our subject may, this part of our subject we may bring to a close by a quotation from Robert Wayne and Angelican Minister Archdeacon of Algado and Canon of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, who can scarcely be accused of partially to uh, being partiality towards suffering papists. In the sixth Donnellian lecture delivered before the University of Dublin in the spring of 1901, he says, the victim. The victories of Cromwell in the English and Irish wars of the long parliament furnished thousands of white slaves. Uh, ADOS. I'm knocking on this microphone. ADOS. You, 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 you see what they saying? Let, let me read that for you again, ADOS. The victories of Cromwell in the English and Irish wars of the long parliament furnished thousands of white slaves to till the fertile Jamaican valleys in selfish greed, constant quarreling between rivals, grantees, and a low type of morality, long arrest, the development of Barbados. The Cromwellian settlement in Ireland has been described in bitter terms by Mr. Pendergrass. Among all the hard things done in those years, none were more severe than the wholesale deportion of children to the West Indies. Okay? So that's adding another layer to the slave population of Jamaica. White slaves. Slash white servants. Slash indentured servants. So again, making blanket statements about your heritage. Making blanket statements 
about what is owed to you based on said blanket statements, it's not going to work. Because you have to understand true history for number one. And then number two, you have to prove where your lineage fits into said true history. You have to prove who your folks were. Let's continue. All right. Okay, so in this particular paragraph, I'm not going to go through it. They talk about uh, Barbados and they go through uh, some of the surnames in Barbados. Okay, uh, so um, let's see. The Protestant. Da, 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 da. Okay, yeah, so it's just giving some of that. Okay, but I'm not going to go through that because we were focusing on Jamaica. Okay. All right. In 1678, Richard Bloom wrote of Montserrat, the Isle is mostly most inhibited by the Irish who have a who have here a church for divine worship. And Brian Edwards, the historian of the West Indies, states more in detail that Montserrat was first planted by a small colony from St. Christopher, detached in 1632 from the adventurer under Warner. Okay. All right, here we go. So... All right, so just going to have to back up. Sorry, I had another in, 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 uh, interruption. That just happens when you're trying to record. So, uh, so it was saying the historian of the West Indies state more in detail that the Montserrat was first planted by a small co colony from St. Christopher, detached in 1632 from the adventurer under Warner. Their separation appears indeed to have been partly occasioned by local attachments and religious dissensions, which rendered their situation in St. Christopher uneasy, being chiefly native of Ireland of the Romish, Romish persuasion. The same causes, however, operated to the augmentation of their numbers. For so many persons of the same country and religion adventures thither soon after the first settlement. Okay, so I want y'all to peep game. They said soon after the first settlement as to, sorry, soon after the first settlement as to create a white population which it has never since possessed if it be true as asserted by old Mixon that at the end of 15 years there were in the island upwards of 1,000 white families constituting a militia of 360 effective men right 
So now the author is giving you um, how the white population came to be about the, uh, the islands of Barbados and subsequently Jamaica. Okay? So now that means the white population could not have been that means the white population could not have been the masters. They were the second wave of immigrants slash population to hit the islands. The first set were the black Irish that got kicked out of Ireland. Okay. And the black freemen who paid their way to be over in the colonies for opportunity. That's why they call them freemen. Now the white population is being introduced. At Barbados, too, the percentage of Irish in the population was high. Okay, so Barbadians, specifically mel melanated Barbadians carrying a European last surname. Hmm, need to check your ancestry. More than likely, it ties directly back to melanated black folks in Ireland. And if you can't find the records of your family being there, could very well be that they took your relative that was on that was brought to the island at, uh, of Barbados as an orphan. Okay. But here they were for the most part of the bondsmen or servant class. So let's be specific what they're talking about. Okay? In any case, we are safe in concluding that in Lygen's day, the Irish population of Barbados was still for the most part restricted to the servant class and their lot was a hard one in the extreme. In fact, Lygen makes it clear that the life of the bondsman was in reality more unbearable than that of even the Negro slave. Let me hit the mic again. ADOS. 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 Are you getting this? You have white folk that were also in slave roles. They just called them servants or bondsmen. But yet, their life was much, much harsher. Much, much harsher. Okay? 
All right, so let's continue. So he's going to go into detail of the said um, white servants, okay? And this takes me back to when I was telling you um, what led me to the information on the stewards' identity being changed from black to white was from an author a Caucasian author who claimed that her relative, she was the bloodline descendant of a steward and her blood relative was holding a role of a plantation owner. And I knew she was automatically incorrect. I knew that the story more than likely was that her Caucasian relative came over as a servant on an indentured servant contract. So she gave the name of said relative. And even back then, the said relative did not have a steward surname. So I just went to the records. And literally, I was only one paragraph into her entire book. I stopped right there, went to the records, and I found her Caucasian relative come over as a young boy. So I'm assuming as an orphan, as a servant, and it's specifically listed white servant. coming through the Catholic Church. It was all there. And I knew that without just verifying and looking it up, because I know the real history. Okay? So that is why in confidence, those of us that know real history, we understand when others talk about slavery, what that really means. It could mean several things. Those of us that know true history, we know that the current claim of the ADOS can never hold true because white people also were slaves. White people were also on those plantations right along with the black prisoners of war. The ones snatched up off the streets. The ones put in exiled. The ones on indentured servant contracts. The ones that were serving out a prison term, them black folk. We understand that said white folks was working side by side on the plantation with the same said black folk that were lumped up and reclassified as African slaves. And oh, by the way, you did still have some African slaves on those plantations as well. 
Those of us that know true history know that you cannot make a claim that your ancestors were African slaves and get paid out from a white population when their ancestors worked side by side with your ancestors under the same and in most cases, worse conditions. So now he's going to get into listing out some of the conditions of the said white servants. Their working hours are um, 6 to 11 and 1 to 6 with a severe overseer to command them. Shirt and drawers are their only garments. And if it chance to rain and wet them through, they have no shift but must lie so all night. If they put off their clothes, the cold of the night will strike into them. And if they be not strong, this ill lodging will put them into a sickness. If they complain, they are beaten by the overseer. If they resist, their time is doubled. I have, I have seen an overseer beat a servant with a cane about the head till the blood has followed for a fault that is not worth the speaking of. And yet he must have patience or worse will follow. Now let's be clear. He is not speaking of the plight of an African slave. He is speaking of the plight of the white servant. Truly, I have seen such cruelty there done to servants as I did not think one Christian could have done to another. In the Davis collection, which consisted of transcripts of Barbadian documents by um, Anne Darnell Davis, and which was the property of the Royal Colonial Institute London, was included a planter's will dated May 1st, 1657, in which it was set forth, I give to my Christian servants Desmond O'Doul and Hannah six months apiece of their times, provided that they do continue dutiful servants to my wife, but if they be anyways disobedient or refractory, then this bequest to be yon and non-effect. And until Desmond O'Doyle, I give my best suit of clothes and my best hat. Harlow, quoting this document, admits that this is an exception to the general rule of severity that existed in the treatment of white labor in Barbados, which he said was generally a disgrace to English name. So now let's be clear. Who was holding the seat of power during this time frame? And who were the masters running the plantation? Smelinated black people. We are obligated in order to keep up necessary number to have a yearly supply from Africa, the hard labor and often the want of necess 
necessaries, which these unhappy creatures are obliged to undergo, destroy a greater number than are bred here. If this was true of the Negro inured as he was to hardship and private privations, what must have been the mortality among the white indentured servants who were frequently of gentle origin and whose lot in bondage was far more arduous and exhausting than the Negro slave? Okay, so let's recap. Who's all coming over to the Americas and in this specific case to the Caribbeans and in this particular reading, Barbados and Jamaica? You have the Black Irish that was kicked out, snatched off the streets, the widows, the orphans, the convicts. Also saw, now that was the first population. Okay. And some freemen who came by their own will. They paid their voyage over or they made arrangement to serve out an indenture serving contract to pay their voyage, work on the plantation, certain amount of time. And then they was up. They did it for opportunity. That was the first wave population or immigrants or the labor for the plantation. Sons, plantations, plural. Then you had the second wave of immigrants who came at a later date. That's the white population. They came under the title of servants. Okay. And they were treated worse than the first population of immigrants. Because remember that first population of immigrants, although they were getting kicked out, they still were bought and paid for. They were still bought and paid for by them planters. Second population of white folk. Oh, and the people that was kicked out, they couldn't come back. So the people that was kicked out couldn't come back. The first set, the black melanated set could not come back. They was kicked out. And so when they were sold, it was up to the seller and the buyer on how long their service was going to be. So was it going to be a lifelong service or was it going to be let them serve seven years and then they're free? So that's where the title of slave came into play. They even said that 
They they even have an eyewitness that wrote down that yeah that that population that we kicked out. Yeah, we we say that they were kicked out into slavery. Okay? But the second population of white folks came over as servants and they came over on specific contracts. So because they only had a specific amount of time frame, they worked them to death. Got all they can get out of them. So therefore they had harsher treatment than the ones that had a quote, quote, long-term or life-term contract. Now, I don't know. It does not say in here it had anything to do with color. I don't know that. It said it had everything to do with the black, quote, quote, slaves being of higher value because of cost. And we know that is specifically the case if you were an African slave. If you were an African slave, your cost was the highest. Okay? Number one, you came the furthest. And then number two, as we saw in the charter of the African Royal Company of England, how the cost of African slaves, it wasn't even profitable because it had gotten so expensive. Okay? All right. Such then was the fate of the Irish victims of Cromwellian brutality. Whether we wish to call them slaves or designate them by the more euphemistic name bond servants. Because I don't care what you name the white folks that came over, whether or not you want to call them indentured servants, you just want to call them servants, whether you want to call them bond servants, those conditions were slavery conditions. It's the exact same description that they use as the official narrative for the African slaves. So let's continue. Okay. Wow, we got through this relatively quick. In concluding our chapter on the Irish and Barbados, we had occasion to refer in passing to buccaneers. It is interesting then to find Agnes M. Whitson opening her foreword to the Constitution and Development of Jamaica with the observation, the conquest of Jamaica was the first of the great buccaneering expeditions. So let's just jump real quick. Um, hopefully it'll pull up for me. Maybe not. Okay, hold on a second, fam. I want to pull up for us. I must have closed it down. Uh, let me pull up for us. Just so we're aware what the definition of bucketeer is. Um, I'm sorry, buccaneer is. Apologize for that. Okay, so buccaneer. 
buccaneer, English, French, or Dutch sea adventurer who hunted chiefly the Caribbean and the Pacific seaboard of South America, preying on Spanish settlements and shipping during the second half of the 17th century. In their own day, buccaneers were usually called privateers. Uh, the word buccaneer came in to use after the publication in 1684, a Buccaneers of America. Okay, so the translation um, by the Dutchman Alexander Excumulin, whose work was the source of tales of these men. Okay, so again, the Buccaneer the English, French, or Dutch sea adventurer who chiefly, who hunted chiefly the Caribbeans and the Pacific seaboard of South America, preying on Spanish settlement settlements and shipping during the half of the 17th century. So they sound like the pirates to me. Okay, so I just wanted to keep that into play. Um as we continue with this discussion. All right, so now I have to find my document again. Chow, where's my document? Okay, see, this is why I shouldn't have did what I did. <laughs> now I can't find said document. Okay, here it is. I found it. Okay, I just had it in another um, Explorer instead of uh, Google. All right, so now we know who the Buccaneers were. Okay, in the time of peace between England and Spain, Cromwell secretly prepared a naval and military force and sent it out to gain an interest in the part of the West Indies in the possession of the Spaniard. Okay, all right, so just as a side note, you see the author when uh, they opened up uh, uh, talking about the people in the classroom and how they had those um, Irish last names and all of them were black. So he's just showing you the pictures. Collins, O'Hare, McCormick, Kennedy. Okay, and then giving you another class. Uh, Collins, Walsh, McKeon, McDermott, Neoline, Burke, and McKay. Okay, so all those Irish surnames, black little children, okay? That's what the author opened up with. So it was just showing you some pictures. All right, so let's get back to these uh, bucketeers and um, what's his name, Cromwell putting together folks to start some dramatization. At Barbados, between 3,000 and 4,000 men were raised of whom Lieutenant Colonel Barrington gives the following account. Being well settled in our respective quarters, we had commanded given us to entertain all men that were willing to engage in the present expedition. Accordingly, we obeyed, but the inhabitants find themselves much grieved and without cause, they complained that they should be utterly ruined in case their servants were taken from them. They being their livelihood. 
Okay. Under this complaint, our grandees, I mean the commissioners, ordered that no officer whatsoever upon pain of loss of place should detain any man's servant that had above nine months to serve and for the future to entertain none but freemen and such servants as came within the aforementioned limitation, all which was done intentionally to complete every regiment up to a thousand before we march from the island. The doing this has much injured poor people, even to their undoing and prejudice many of the rich, some losing 10 service servants, some 15, some more, some less, none escaping us. So they're just telling you, the author is just giving you an account of these folks that was working for Cromwell in this case. Them pretty much whining about making sure they keep their servants. Okay. All right. Now remember servants, white folks fall under that class. Okay. That's not to say some melanated people didn't as well hold those roles. I'm pretty sure they did. General had already reported to Secretary Thurlow from Barbados under date of February 17th. We have lately found the devil's endeavors to have his chapel among us, which we shall tear up by the roots, for I have made a discovery of certain papists in our army to the number of 150, which came out of England. Okay, so I'm just highlighting that to give you an example how they were rooting out everybody. They was not playing. They was rooting out everybody. Of the recruits secured at Barbados, a large percentage, regardless of religion, must have been Irish or Scott, since they actually constituted the bulk of the servant class in the islands. And we have the first influx of Irish to Jamaica. Okay, so they are directly describing the black population, the black population that came from Ireland that were eventually, uh, that came from Ireland that was sent to Barbados and they got them up out of Barbados, not all of them, but some of them, to Jamaica. Okay, and they're pointing out they didn't give a dog on about the priests either. You got to go. Other more or less numerous parties must have followed soon after. For Harlow unhastily records the development of Jamaica on which Cromwell had set his heart was being effectively largely at the expense of Barbados and the Leeward Islands. On the 8th of October, 1656, Governor C. Surly received instructions from the protector to encourage immigration to Jamaica as much as possible. For this purpose, he was desired to publish in the islands in order declaring Jamaican goods free for custom and exercise for seven um, 
uh, for seven years. Okay, so in other words, from tax for seven years. Okay, so um, I boogie down to the footnote here, and it says Harlow further states when Colonel Bryan arrived at Barbados on the 27th of November seeking reinforcements for Jamaica, he received a chilly reception. I found the generality of the island, he reported, exceedingly prejudiced against the uh, design, or I don't know if that's designee, I think that's designee, of Jamaica. He seemed, however, to have succeeded in pursuing a certain number of venture, to venture their fortunes there. Okay, so he convinced enough people to go ahead on and invest. The floating population of bond servants who had completed their indentured were always ready to immigrate wherever a chance of attaining land presented itself. It was a standing source of weakness to Barbados that all land was in the hands of great proprietors. Okay, so they're telling you once the bond servants had uh, completed up their contract or their indentured servant contract, they were freelancers looking to go elsewhere and to see if they could get them some land. Time expired servants could not hope to purchase small estates in the island, and thus the most important section of the population was being continually lost. Okay, so I'm assuming they couldn't um, purchase a state in the island because they couldn't afford it. Owing to this fear that Jamaica would drain their population and also under, undersell their sugars at home, Barbadian planters continued to regard the colony with jealous eyes for many years to come. Okay, all right. So that was a, a good extra drop in that particular footnote. Okay, so what note did I put in here? Yeah, yep, that indentured servants were able to serve out their contract and go elsewhere. The conquest of that island, while it opened a wider field for speculation and the exercise of industry, served to drain the population of Barbados in no inconsiderable degree. Allured by the prospectus of greater advantages in a theater so much more extensive, many opulent planners and other adventurers removed to Jamaica where land could be procured in greater plenty, cheaper, and with less difficulty. Okay, so I was right. So the indentured servants, uh, number one, either were, were not allowed to buy land in Barbados where it was too expensive. Okay, so Jamaica looked more attractive. So the Barbados people, the planters, they were salty because they couldn't keep labor. At the start, the Irish population in Jamaica must have been pretty well restricted to the poorer class. As we find, but few suggestive names among the principal planters and settlers in Jamaica in 1663, eight years after the advent of the English to the islands. This list has been preserved for us by Charles Long, whose father, Samuel, accompanied the original expedition of Penn and Venables as secretary to Cromwell's commission. Thus we find, sorry, let me get a sip of water, yeah. 
Thus we find in St. John's Pierce, who may be Irish in St. Andrews, Barry in St. Thomas, in East Kelly, in St. Mary's, Barone, Lynch and Sutton, and Clarendon, another Sutton, and Varey King, and St. Anne's Moore and Rowe, and in St. Elizabeth's, a second Lynch. Okay, so he documented pretty well who was all there. And even some of these are rather doubtful. But seven years later, when no doubt many bond servants had worked out their indentured, the array of seemingly Irish names has increased remarkably in the report of September 23rd, 1670, made by Sir Thomas Modiford to Lord Arlington, giving a survey of the various parishes in the island as furnished by the Receiver General. Of the 717 property holders listed, the indications are that well over 10% were of Irish extraction. And as we might naturally expect to find the great bulk of the Irish among the non-owners of the land at that early date, we may justly argue that even independent of the servant class, the Irish formed a large proportion of the Jamaican population at the time. Boom! So he is speaking on a large black Irish population, and he is speaking on uh, landowners, a large section of landowners being of the Irish population. I am assuming black population. Now, I can also assume that there were also white population landowners also that had indentured that came up off of them indentured servant contracts okay of the bondsmen gardner writes that few ships arrived from england without some of this class on board and that they were for the most part irish we may judge from the following statement so let me just Back that up and give another service announcement to the ADOS. Tapping my mic, ADOS, ADOS, ADOS. Who did they say was coming up off them ships? Few ships arrived from England without some of this class on board. Not African slaves. Irish. We may judge from the following statement of author Granville Bradley, Jamaica was for some time in a disturbed condition. The Maroons, okay, we already read what the Maroons are. You know, the, them red bones, them red and brown bones. And I can only assume that the Maroons are the indigenous population of Jamaica. The Maroons in their mountain fastness 
were a constant danger. Okay, so that should pretty much concern, I mean, confirm that the Maroons were the indigenous population of the Americas. And what did they describe the Maroons as? Red bone. Reddish and brown. The British military settlers required a firm hand while the Catholic Irish prisoners, the unfortunate product of his Irish wars, shipped in batches to the West Indies, were not in a mood to exercise the franchise in a matter conducive to the peace and loyalty of a British colony. Absolutely, they're prisoners of war. Why should they be all hunky-dory to carry out the British colonies' conditions? They were sold into slavery, pretty much. Indeed, these drafts may be debited to the wrong side of Cromwell account in the matter of statementship. Idols, idlers, and vagabonds, too, in all parts of England and Scotland went in daily dread of being seized by the local authorities under Cromwell's orders and shipped to Jamaica, where, for the most part, as white slaves, they had to perform work that only Negroes in that climate can accomplish within impunity. Okay, so they're giving you another example of who being slaves. Let me tap this again for the public service announcement to ADOS. Who? Who? White slaves. Okay. That the bondage of the Irish servant in Jamaica was no white lighter then what we have seen going on in Barbados is evidenced by the earliest legal documents in the, in the island in the first published collection of the laws of Jamaica after the act appointing the number of the assembly immediately following an act for regulating servants. So what? You mean they had an act? The assembly put together an act for regulating servants, wherein the status of the indentured whites is considered in detail. So, tapping for service announcement to ADOS. Tapping to, for service announcement to ADOS. Do you not understand that they had a law in place in Jamaica. Jamaica, man. Getting the approval for indentured servants, white servants to be on the island. So it's documented. The following points are worth considering. All servants shall have, according to their contract, an indentured, but where there is no contract or indentured, servants under 18 years of age at their arrival in this island shall serve seven years 
and above 18 years of age shall serve four years and all convicted felons for the first time of their banishment. Any man servant marrying without the masters or mistress or mistress consent shall serve two years for such offense. So who needed approval to get married? Was it the black African slaves? Or was it these white indentured servants? All contracts made with servants or slaves to be utterly void. All suits between servant and their masters or mistresses related to their freedom shall be heard and determined by any two justices of the peace without any appeal. And if any servant or servants absence themselves from the Masters or mistress service without leave or a ticket from their master, mistress, or overseer shall for each such day's absence serve one week and so in proportion for a longer or shorter time, the whole punishment not to exceed three years. Public service announcement to the ADOS. Public service announcement to the ADOS. These runaway slave rules slash they're telling you were servant indentured servant contract rules were for who? I don't see African slave on here. It specifically says the white indentured servants. Uh-huh. That part. Let's continue. Okay, we're we're at the end, y'all. Um that's why I highly recommend this book. And um this is not my first time hearing of this book, but everyone that I have seen present the book, they only gave the the side of the black Irish they never got into the details talking about the white Irish and their enslavement. Brian Edwards, who is perhaps the most reliable of Jamaicans historians, simply says of him, with his grace came over Father Thomas Churchill, a Romish pastor sent out by James II to convert the island to poppery but his grace's death and the revolution in 1688 blasted the good father's project. And Gardner, the congressionalist minister, refers to him as the most devoted and self-denying Romish priest. But to return to the whole question of Albemarle and his relations with the assembly, the cause of the trouble was not a religious one at all but the time-honored dispute about a permanent revenue, okay? Like, it, like this is all about, this is all about commerce, okay? All right. So, 
possibly the fact that the only legal, legal outbreak of bigotry, okay? So just as I thought reading through this book, it didn't seem like none of this was a case of racism, bigotry, color. This was all about where, what part you were standing on. What part was your family affiliated to? Were you affiliated with the Catholics? Were you affiliated with the Protestants? Whoever won the war made the decisions. It wasn't about no black, white, and all of that. So, possibly the fact that the only legal outbreak of bigotry that is recorded in Jamaican history occurred at this time may have come to associate the religious issue with the permanent revenue bill. But in this case, the Catholics were not the instigators of the bigotry, but rather its victims. We may be pardoned then at going into the matter somewhat in detail. Okay, so said they read in the journals of the Assembly of Jamaica under the date of August 8, 1729 from the committee appointed to consider of a proper method of bringing over and settling white people in the island reported they had this day met pursuant to the direction of the house in order to frame and bring in a bill and to effect the same had come to some resolutions, which they had directed him to report to wit that the persons to be brought over should be all Protestant, etc. Okay. So a couple of things to point out. Number one, again, for white people to even come to the island of Jamaica, they had to be approved. It had to be a law put in place. And they had to be categorized as an indentured servant with specific rules. Okay? All right. And they put in here that they had to be Protestant. Later the same day, so furthermore, ADOS, how was white people in power? We keep proving over and over again, white people did not hold the seat of power during this time frame. They were not getting the seat of power until after slavery. But let's continue. Later the same day, it is recorded a motion being made that a committee being appointed to bring in a bill for securing the island against all attempts that may be made by disguise as well as profess papists by disabling them from holding any office or place on the island. Okay, so they didn't want the Catholics up on the island. Okay. So that goes back to the original, because remember, the first inhabitants, I can't even say inhabitants, honey. <clears throat> the first prisoners of war, the black Irish, were kicked out, were the Protestants. 
So you had them black Protestants on the island. So they had a beef with Catholics. So that would make sense why if they had in their power to make the decision as the second wave of immigrants, in this case called indentured servants, indentured white servants, they wanted them to be Protestant. Okay. All right. Okay, so they're going into... Uh, all of the acts on the, the specifics of the indentured servants. So Act 92, and I wasn't going to read through all of that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to read through all of that on, on air, rather. Act 92, whereas it had been found by experience that an act entitled an act to prevent dangers that may arise from the skies as well as declared Pappas passed in the month of August Sorry, in the month of August, in the year of 1729, had not answered the purposes for which it was intended, but on the contrary, already hath and may further serve to discourage Protestants well affected to his majesty's government from coming over to settle in this island, which as the number of white inhabitants are few, may be very uh, bad consequences to the welfare and safety thereof if continued. Okay, so still this back and forth with whether they're Protestant or Catholic. Not so much that they're white, but that, that they're Protestant or Catholic. And once again, make note of the year. They said, what is this... Um, 1729, white folks wasn't holding no power. Let's continue. That the managers at the said conference had unanimously resolved that the three things of the greatest important and most immediate necessary were the bringing over of white people. Now remember, this is 1729. The bringing over of white people as to the first, it was their unanimous opinion to have boys and girls of seven years old and upward brought over at the public expense and supported and provided for by the public till bound to the inhabitants as apprentices, etc. This almost comes like an echo of Cromwellian days. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And it's also further backing up that the Cromwellian days, you know, in them 1600s, those first inhabitants were black. True. No mention is made of how the boys and girls of seven years and upwards are to be secured, nor is it even hinted that Ireland is to be the source. But it is at least suspicious in the light of the correspondence of Governor Hunter, as recorded by Pittman, who writes thus of the indentured servants in Jamaica at the period. They were mostly Irish Catholics, and Governor Robert Hunter thought that as they had no property and were Romanists, 
they might prove of disservice rather than us used in a war with France or Spain. He wrote of them as a danger to the island from pouring in upon us in such shoals as they have done of late years. And he thought of their introduction should be restrained. Okay, so they wanted to bring the white people in slowly. Of course, if it were brought over at seven years of age, all these difficulties might be alleviated. So in other words, <clears throat> better to get them babies so white people. Public service announcement. White people Caucasians. Public service announcement. White people Caucasians. I have stated this time and time again, you are yet another population that you do not know your history. White Caucasian people of the Americas, that is including the Caribbeans, you do not know your history because most of your folks came over as orphans. And this is just a prime example why you came over as orphans. Okay. All right. With the abolish uh, the uh, abolishment or abolition of slavery in Jamaica, the House of Assembly offered a bounty for the importation of white immigrants. And while these were chiefly drawn from Germany, one group at least was brought out of uh, brought was brought out from Ireland. For in February 1841, 126 arrived from Limerick, but as Gardner tells us, they were brought away with difficulty. For O'Connell denounced the immigration scheme with all his vigor declaring it to be nothing else but a system of white slavery, a new wrong inflicted upon suffering Ireland by the Saxon race. The ship, while in the Irish port, was guarded night and day by the police. Only one-third of the number she was intended to carry sailed in her, and no steam tug would venture to tow her out of the harbor. So a couple of things here. They already told you that slavery was abolished on the uh, the island of Jamaica. So meaning the original slaves were the black population, but it was not mainly made up of Africans. It was made up of black Europeans, specifically black Irish that were kicked out of Ireland, Scotland, and England. That's who the first slave population was. Very little Africans, because African slaves cost the most. At a later date, specifically around 1729, they had to put an act into place for the approval of white folks coming to Barbados. I'm sorry, to um, Jamaica. And specifically, they wanted 
white children under the age of seven, and they shall be classified as servants under indentured servant contracts. Okay. All right. So I found this footnote to be interesting once again. It says, uh, Heaton Balstead Robinson compiled from the journals of Captain Owen and of the officers engaged under him in the expedition, a narrative and admiralty survey along the coast of Africa. Authorized February 4th, 1822, autumn 1825, found the party at work in the Table Bay near Cape Town, where the following incident occurred. Now, let me blow this up, y'all. Oh, bear with me, y'all. This is the little footnote. Okay, I can't blow it up no more because it'll get distorted, I guess. All right. A short time before leaving the bay, about 20 people, natives of Ireland, now, let's be clear. Where did they say they were docked? Off the coast of Africa, Table Bay near Cape Town. So 20 people, natives of Ireland, came on board to enter as seamen who, as we were short of hand, were readily received, but almost immediately after they had got on board, a Mr. John Ingram claimed them from Captain Owens as his apprentices. In consequence of this application, the captain took them before the commissioners of inquiry when several deposed an oath that they had been brought from their native country by force. Some being afterwards persuaded to sign indentures but others never, never having done so. So are you all catching what they have put in this footnote? This is an example of the reverse Atlantic slave trade. So folks being taken from the coast, in this case of Europe, specifically Ireland, and was shipped over to Africa and was forced to either sign indentured servitude contracts and some just didn't do it. Under these circumstances, Captain Owen considered that they had a right to dispose of their own services. But Mr. Ingram obtained an order from a commander, Christian, desiring Captain Owen not to receive them on board and summons from the superintendent of police requiring him to attend the Dutch court and submit to its judgment, to which he answered, whilst we were underway by protesting against his power to detain a British subject. But in accordance with the commodore's order, the whole of the people were sent on shore with the exception of one man, one man who contrived to secrete himself until we were at sea. Okay, so somebody got away, apparently. 
The captain wrote to Lord Charles H. Somerset respecting that Irish slave trade, requesting him to see justice done to these unfortunate men who born with all the advantages of freedom were now suffering all the privatations of slavery. So they had snatched these people from the shore of Ireland and shipped them over to Africa as slaves. And then had the galls to tell them to sign an indentured servant contract. Okay? So that's slavery told in reverse. All right? So this last little uh, uh, paragraph, whatever then may be the final conclusion about the fate of the Irish wenches and boys who were ordered by Cromwell to be shipped to Jamaica, a question which for the present at least must be left as an open one. This much is certain that from the earliest days of the English occupation of the island, there was a large a proportion of Irish, both Catholic and non-Catholic, in the makeup of the population, and that not only Irish name, but Irish blood as well is widely diffused throughout the island today. It is then interesting to find it recorded of Jamaica in the middle of the 18th century that the natives of Scotland and Ireland seem to thrive much better there than the European English. They bring sounder uh, constituents and are much sooner provided for by their countrymen established in the island. So family, there you have it. This is explaining what went down on the island of Jamaica from the perspective of slavery, how that population was made up, we should be have we should have connected the dots. Who was in power? We should understand exactly when they hit the shores of Jamaica. We should understand when the black population hit the shores of Jamaica. Most of them, majority of them from Ireland and Scotland and even England. Mixture of Protestant and Catholics. And then at a later date came the white population, which had to get approval to have the white population come into Jamaica. And they put that into Jamaican law in 1729. Okay? And they came over under the title of white servants with specific instructions. The, so that has to mean that the white servants did not hold power. That has to mean that on the island of Jamaica, during the 16th and the 1700s, 
1800s, white folks were not holding the seat of power. Okay? So again, the source for this particular information is the book, Whence the Black Irish of Jamaica by Joseph J. Williams, S.J., and it was published in 1932, right? So family, I hope that you got something out of this. I once again wanted to show you with proof the slavery narrative that they are giving you is false. So I'm going to end with just reminding you of these slave records. We went over this um, in the podcast yesterday when we were talking about the um, the uh, royal, the African Royal Company. We went over those slave numbers. Okay. And I want to bring that back up. Uh, so we could just once again see those numbers because now it should make sense to you. And I'm pulling it up. So that's why I'm stalling, <laughs> trying to find my source. It should make sense to you why when I said in yesterday's podcast, when I was speaking on the numbers and not all of those numbers being of Africans, why I could say that with confidence. And I even gave a little disclaimer. I said, you know what? Let's just say all of the numbers that they put on board were African slaves. It's still not the amount that they claim in just going to bring the USA. We're just going to apply the USA by itself. By their records from the time period of 1501 to 1866, there was only 305,000 slaves in America via they're calling the transatlantic slave trade. And I also told you that you have to take into consideration a mixture of this 305 being from other areas. I also told you to peep game how they have the USA. They're also lumping in the Caribbean islands with the exception of Brazil and they're lumping in uh, the Caribbean islands in Canada. Okay? So here, that means Jamaica is included in this USA numbers. And so is Barbados. And we just went through a whole account back to the 1600s Because he really specifically started that period of discussion from, I think, like 1670-something. He's telling you that the population coming over just through Barbados and Jamaica alone 
were black Europeans. And they were coming over because they got kicked out by Cromwell. They were coming over as prisoners of war. And that they termed them as slaves, but they were not African slaves. Not saying that African slaves did not exist because we know that they do based on the African Royal Company of England. But we also know based on the African Royal Company of England that they didn't do a, a mass amount of African slave trades because it was too expensive. Okay. Okay. So just once again to put before you the total slavery narrative that they teach today is inaccurate. It's not true. All right. So I hope, family, that um, you got something out of this of value. And again, I say it is extremely important for you to do your genealogy, for you to understand where your family fits in history. If you know true history, when you look on those records and you can match up the dates, you can match up the descriptions, you pretty much have a pretty good idea of where your family fits in the history. This is extremely important for melanated, AKA black people who are under the guise that they are from Africa. There is a higher percentage chance that at a minimum, your folks immigrated to the Americas as a black European. There is also a higher chance that that black European ancestry married uh, either married other black European ancestries that were also shipped over to the Americas or they married into indigenous black people in the Americas, meaning those people that were already on the line on, on uh, inhabitants in the land of the Americas, you know, the Maroons, them Brown people, them red people that they married into those particular bloodlines who folks today call Indians. That's what they were calling them on the mainland. But as you can see in this particular source of Jamaica, they were just calling them Maroons. It is extremely important for you to know your ancestry. No one can tell you who you are. You are who your bloodline is. Caucasian people, it's important for you to do your heritage also. 
for you to take on the narrative that your family came over as pioneers, as pilgrims and Quakers coming to a new land, and that you're linked to the founding fathers. And in some cases, some of you are saying your parents, not parents, your ancestry were slave owners. Think you may want to trace your records as well. Because there's a high chance that your folks came over as indentured servants. And to be more specific, came over as children, as orphans. It's in the records. They came through the churches. So I hope this uh, information is of use to everyone. If you are not subscribed to us, I highly encourage you to subscribe, like, and share. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. I appreciate all of your support. And I will put at the end of this video some bonus uh, pictures of some Black Irish, Black Germans. I uh, can't remember if I put some Black Scots in here. And then also uh, the Black Priest. So wishing everyone well, family. Peace and love. What?